So just referring to the um, Satipatthana and just uh, taking a little piece, phrase, uh, uh, words, um, ardent, mindful, and fully aware. This comes in the first section. So again, this is kind of like the first section, it's almost like an overview synopsis of what occurs afterwards, what is spelt out, what is laid out afterwards. Ardent, um, atapi, um, mindful, sati, and fully aware sampajana. Of course, these are all translations from the Pali into English, and the Pali itself is a translation of an experience. Yeah. So just recognize that there were no words or absolutes. They're all kind of empty, really. They, they signify, they signifiers, and what they signify, yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's an attempt <laughs> to signify a direct experience. But Atapi carries the connotations of a certain uh, warming up. It's associated with a certain quality of firing up, ardor. Yeah. And as you know, it certainly gets harder the longer you do this kind of practice. <laughs> so as a kindling, so the sense is, you know, you get the, what would be realistic, you've got to light your fire. Yeah, and first of all, the wood's damp, the matches are damp, and they keep snapping. You know, and it's, it's got to be something. Got to get the thing ignited. Where does it start to take off? And often we're doing very simple things, humble things, like just what does it take to to gather attention? What is attention? How do you collect it? How do you place it? You know? And so, throughout a retreat situation. We're just doing that, placing the shoes on the rack, opening the doors, cleaning up, straightening out the bed, you know, and a sense of an unhurried clarity of attention. And so over time, this very quality of clarifying and simplifying attention has its effects. A lot of what we are doing is kind of like pruning away or dropping away Un, what's unnecessary, what's cluttering, what's complicating, what's, you know, fuzzy, just coming more clearly into what we're doing now. And, you know, from the mind's untrained habit is proliferation, complication, additions. And one of the, um, Things to just bear in mind is mostly, although all these terms can sound like addition, it's always another thing to do, another thing you've got to remember. The whole aim of these is the amount of stuff to forget. And to just try to come down to simple things like gathering attention, forgetting, putting aside, you know, expectation, disappointment, self-imagery. Histories, stories, narratives, da da da, becoming clearer and clearer, and putting them aside. Not so kind of like out of anger, but just no, no. This, this, you've done this. Your mind does this all the time. Uh, try another tack. 
So quite a lot of uh, Buddhist language is couched negatively, refraining from, abstaining from, relinquishing, putting aside. Uh, not because the aim is annihilation, but there's a recognition that when we clear away the clutter, the brightness comes through by itself. We don't have to generate and create something, believe something, adopt something. It comes through by itself if you clear away the clutter. And that's an immense uh, faith, act of faith for one who hasn't experienced it. Because so much of our uh, applications and sense of getting it right is established upon doing and building up and learning and adding another piece and you know the idea that you could reduce and be enhanced by reduction is is quite a uh, you know an act of faith but of course incredibly uh, potent if you extend what it implies about life in general reduce the content you feel better you know, reduce the amount, you'll feel better. Imagine carrying that through and onto a kind of global level. The consumer fevers, you know, and just say, no, simpler is better. It's not morally, even morally correct, it just makes you feel better. Hmm. So this, you know, this quality of what I call deep attention which means you really what what's worth, what's helpful, what's suitable now, and then the others put it aside. Expectation, disappointment, self-imagery, other people, the past, the future. <laughs> That's quite a, a lot, isn't it? But yeah, just notice what those those do. Uh, as soon as you touch any of those, your mind starts proliferating. Future, the past, yourself, other people. This goes on. It slips into that. Now, of course, you you want to. You can deeply attend to another person, to your memory of another person. But then it's up to you to really know what's happening. There's nobody else. It's your perceptions, impressions. You know, it's your responses you're dealing with. The mind, heart, chitta is only aware of its own perceptions and feelings and signals and interpretations now so tapas one is atapi one is eager Hmm. and so this here we have three factors atapi sati mindfulness and sampajana sometimes full awareness clear knowing it's a you know this this kind of territory so it comes from a certain could say a listening quality we get it we sense it we feel it Uh, if we bear in mind what I was saying yesterday uh, vitaka the pointing the establishing through directed thought or directed thoughtfulness that is a foundation for sati placing there there no no there no there no, no just there try it again just there see if you can sustain it longer <laughs> 
sati. Um, Sampajana is is generated and sustained through vichara. How's that? Listen in. Get a feel for that. How how is that? Could you get it? What, what, roughly, what's it like? Is that sensation? What's it feel like? What's it doing? How is that? So these two, sati and sampajana. Um, and then atapi, one is eager for that. So around this, you can, with that threefold model, then in the satipatthana, you're covering a whole range of activities. You're going to be scratching, stretching, urinating, eating, lying down, walking, standing. There's a whole range of stuff you're doing. And the point is to sustain those three mm, essential approaches through the whole of it. And that has, definitely has a clarifying and a purifying effect because the mind will normally kind of stutter, get casual about something, rush into other things, blur with other things, get obsessed with certain things, and yet all the time you're kind of pruning away to a simple clarity. You know, Before you can walk out the door, you've got to put your foot on the ground. Before you lift the other leg, your foot's got to be on the ground. So just do that. <laughs> it's like, before you can get to the kitchen, you've got to open the door. So let's just be there opening the door. You know, you kind of reining in the runaway mind. So we're poised, we're balanced. And that's, uh, that's a, to me, that's a kind of lovely feature of presence in there. Yeah. And it doesn't really matter what you're doing, actually. Within the range of, broad range of sila. Because, of course, we can look at another map in which sati appears as part of the Eightfold Path. It's accompanied by seven other factors. And uh, some of those factors to do with ethics, some of them to do with understanding. And so sati never stands alone. It's always teamed up. One of the... Um, Features of right view, as I was talking about the other days, is relatedness, cause and effect. And this is for giving one faith. If you bring up right intention and you sustain it, you're bound, you cannot have a bad result. You can have a good result. It may not be everything you want, or your aren't problems are over, but you'll have some benefit from that. And that benefit will give you enough understanding and clarity to do another step, take another step forward. Oh yeah, now I know that. I can put that aside. Now I see where the weak spot is. Now I can do that. It gives you, um, so every good intention, every good application gives on a little more foothold on what is it, your path, getting your feet on the ground. One is eager for that, to know that, to get that basis. And where it goes, that's too far right now. It's too far to think of problems answered, clarity, jhanas. It's too far. It's just, you know, finding the measure, finding the measure of, of how to practice as a constant. It's over the constancy 
because the mind is a constant process it's over that constancy that you're continually pruning away, whittling away the clutter, the defilements, the unnecessaries and beginning to sense the strengthening you know, where that is what comes into that A good thing to re- recollect when we begin a retreat, like you begin anything, is um, you know set up your set up your workshop, set up get your tools sharp, brush around, clean clean the place up a bit. Like when you go to do a job, whatever your job is, kitchen, cooking, workshop. First, you just check the place out, tidy up. Get the lighting right, you know. Get your tools cleared, sharpened up. So this is something that um, certainly I try to train myself in because I suppose like, you know, people are different, but I'm I'm kind of impulsive. I get an idea I want to get on to do that and get that thing finished and get eager excited I want to, yeah. and uh, a lot of the learning is how to first of all set up the right place to work hmm. I was doing I could do some calligraphy I want to produce those lovely swirling letters I don't want to actually get a piece of paper draw a grid get the angle right get the angle of the board right clean the nibs, make the ink, get the lighting right. I don't want to do that. I want to just get and do the masterpiece. <laughs> so that always doesn't go very well. Like that. So, okay. so you make a practice out of just setting things up. And uh, sometimes that's all I do. You know, particularly in that particular area, just get things out. Make a practice of cleaning things, steadying things, setting setting it up, and practice with that. And then you could say that, uh, particularly, you know, beginning retreat, most of your practice is just about clearing space, mm-hmm. finding out where the tools are, clearing space. Clearing the kitchen, yeah. Clearing the workshop, making sure that you you've, that what tools you need are they in order? Are they in shape? Where do you get them from? Are they have they been exercised? Are you doing this? And the tools we have are are organic, their own body, yeah, and uh, breathing. Mm. And this amazing thing called mind. This experience called mind. And the clue, one clue how all this uh, can uh, get into uh, a process where it begins to support itself is that we're we're actually an organic system. The body and the mind are related. 
um, attention and attitude are related, intention, attention. So it's all, everything is related to everything else. Mm. How you attend to your body will affect how you attend to your thoughts. How you attend to other people will affect how you attend to yourself. Mm. How you attend to your room, how you attend to, you know, all that is related to um, practice and attitude your attitude affects everything hmm. aiming to as it another phrase that's there is to the extent you applying mindfulness and sampajana for full awareness or clear know to the extent to know just for direct knowing bare knowing, in other words, non-proliferation, there is a body, there is this, fully inhabiting the body, fully inhabiting your own physicality, your own form, and clearing, cleaning it, clearing it, means breathing in, breathing out, fresh air, moving around, exercise, how much do you need to eat, what's good, hmm? Uh, and without getting obsessive about it, it's often good to just take it down a bit, simplify, limit. That's why we not eating in the evening, for example, as a standard. Now, of course, people have various health issues and so forth, but again, you know, if, if there is that need, as some people have, then again, it's quite minimal. It's just that which is necessary. And you start to incline that way because... It's not from an ideological position, but just recognizing the value of inclining towards renunciation. You don't know how much, because it's not like the person who renounces the most is the best. Because <laughs> that's that's not that's that's not that's not clear knowing, is it? That's that's ambition and self-view. It's not about being the best, it's about just how much, what's the right balance, and just look towards taking a little less, see how that goes, a little less thinking, a little less planning, create some space, clearing space, you cultivate this attitude of renunciation, Because when uh, it wouldn't be taught unless it was good for you. <laughs> and it wouldn't be good for you if it didn't feel good. Mm. So is it just about moral probity? It's about feeling good, feeling fresher, feeling clearer. And that level is going to change how much you need to eat, sleep, and so forth. Is it going to change in accordance with what you what you're doing? So you can't create abstract standards for these things. You create general inclinations that you train in. You're keen to know that there is a way of training, but there's not an abstract standard. I think a really important thing to to bear in mind and, and get 
deeply is that you're dealing with an organic system and that the feature of organic systems is they respond and you listen in pick up the response sometimes the response is muffled or not clear you do it again what's the how's that this is what Sampajana does. This is what Vichara does. How is that? Not just how the sensation, how is that held or received? What was the result of that? So you track that. Giving it time. Just noticing, you know, simple things like uh, posture. It's not, sit up, everybody's got to sit up straight, straight back is right, you know, snap to attention from some abstract position. But what happens if you draw your back in and drop your shoulders and even restrain your breathing to breathe as little as possible? Sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? And let it happen. You practice like this, just... Simplifying, limiting, clarifying, opening up, clarifying. So again, you know, the assumption would be to maybe to take a lot of breathing, but actually less is better. I don't mean the breath channel is open, so we start with drawing the body upright. So you, you know, so your abdomen isn't compressed. So if you get that spring in the lower back in the spine it supports the ribs supports the chest ca- uh, cab- uh, chest structures your abdomen can extend now, there's a reason for that it's not so we look good but so you get the full openness in the lower lower body and that's where your breathing is begins and that's where it uh, its root you could say its source is there and that, and you just do that. And is anything else getting in the way of that? So is your shoulders pressing down, your head hunching forward? You know, could, he, could you give more attention to what supports that center of your back between your shoulder blades? You know, connecting the front to the back of the body. You know. So relationship is relating to the body as a complete structure. Now, this is why I often don't emphasize immediately going to one point, say breathing or point focusing on the the nostril tip. That, we may get there, it may go there, that's the way, fine. But take the whole thing in because it's only when the body is treated as a whole thing it begins to wake up by itself and we get the right balance starts to the body begins to speak you could say or respond when it comes out of its compressed or twisted state opens up they were working with an organic system it will respond body will respond doesn't mean it's going to jump up and down but you never know maybe it'll do that Maybe your shoulders are shifting. Maybe you find something in your arm moves, or that's you know, it's quite involuntary. And many of this, most of this experience will be really subtle, like you sense something in your 
back of your nose opens up, or your breath deepens, or your shoulders drop back. And your breath at first can be quite irregular because the system is still finding its way. It can be quite fast at first and then irregular. Now, all this irregularity is totally natural because it's an organic system. It doesn't switch on like a light. It comes into being. It struggles. It feels itself. It fumbles around. It gains a little bit and loses it and then comes back and it wriggles around a lot internally, energetically. So you feel all that and your emotions start to do the same thing. And the thoughts do the same thing. So at first it was very confusing. Very confusing. What's doing wrong? Nothing. Nothing's going wrong. Um, that's just the system coming out of one set of, of drives, of imperatives, of engagements, of functions into something completely different. It's going to flounder. And so nothing is going wrong. Uh, well, how do we guide through that just by that process of what do you not need now you don't need to make a story out of it you don't need to make a self out of it you don't need to make a judgment out of it that's not going to do any good at all what is necessary you know what's helpful take another breath open your eyes open clear some space don't close down even if it's uncomfortable, open to it. Doesn't mean force your way through it. Doesn't mean get in command of it. Doesn't mean grit your teeth and push through it. You're just open to it. And once you open to an or- a system, your mind is also an organic system, it starts to respond. It takes its time, but it begins to feel the light feel the openness and begin to move out of darkness and confusion. This is a lot of what we do, well, I do. Just bear in mind, bear with it. Open to it. And recognizing the default is to close, close down huddle uh, shut down the atopy is the eagerness to open extend the body feel it more fully listening into these shifts and responses A lot of the time we are actually living in relationship with inorganic systems, cars, computers, um, they don't operate like that. Uh, They don't respond. They don't care. (laughs) They crash. (laughs) For no reason at all. Just because they feel like it. And so we live in organic, inorganic systems. So with your inorganic system, you know, you've got to follow it. 
you're you're actually it, it sets the rules. <laughs> so this is how I work, and don't work any other way than this, you know. So you have to become it, you know, follow its rules, and it operates according to rules rather than sensitivities. So you get this sense of becoming programmed by the things that they're supposed to help you. They don't help you, they help a function. They don't help you at all. They just support a function. And you get functionalized through that process. It trains you to be a function. These are not, so inorganic systems are not just physical systems, they're also abstract, like time. Time is incredible. Uh, uh, you know, you get these numbers, those little numbers trot out on, on clocks and sheets of paper, and we go, yes, 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 it's nine, it's nine, oh yes, it's ten, oh it's four, oh it's five, oh it's six. Where, where are these sixes and fives and fours and nine? They've got incredible power. They don't bend. This is five and not five past five. (laughs) You've missed it. You've lost it. That's the train gone. You know, panic. So these these are also inorganic. They don't respond at all. There's no such thing as a nice five or a friendly eight. They're completely abstract and yet uh, uh, tyranny you have to follow them they're not going to bend a a tad so we end up getting programmed by such things time dates Mm -hmm. and we lose the sense of dawn is a soft experience twilight is a fading experience doesn't suddenly go day night (laughs) does it it's like that you know and waking up takes time to wake up i mean real time which is an organic experience of feeling sensing breathing okay brightening okay fading brightening fading brightening fading bright brightening brightening fading brightening (laughs) it's like this kid wobbles and eventually it comes into wake doesn't it you know what i mean i wake up morning that sense of okay here we are then get up Walk up and down, breathe in and out. You know, and just let the system come into wakefulness. And it's always, I find it always useful to get up, you know, a good period before like morning puja or anything like that. What that amounts to, it's up to you to figure out. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't start at four or five or six or seven it, it starts it doesn't it just, we come into that we prepare for that and we're eager to find our way into that and a lot of that way in is going to be through fumble cloud fog rocky road you know it doesn't suddenly come neat and clean that's it that's what computers do organic systems don't but they do respond they respond to goodwill for example uh, they respond to clarity and simplicity. They respond to um, being met rather than forced. They respond beautifully to that. They start to calm, clarify, and feel happy. 
So a lot of our work is just preparing to tune in to an organic system and its quirks and its mm, way it is. And then simple processes of how do we open, how do you open the body, where is it constricted, so the body is our one of our primary workshops, is it restricted in the head, around your forehead, your eyes, uh, is the throat open, is the chest open, is the abdomen open? Do you have a back? So, hmm? getting a body, a real body, a felt body, not an imagined body, not a visual body, but a felt one. Because we actually we lose this body, the real one, we lose it. We lose it because we get, we buy or we move towards a visual body. Visual body is not going to do you much good, really. Visual body is for other people <laughs> to look at. That's all it can do, really, the visual one. But, you know, you can look really good and be totally miserable and so forth. It's not, and feel really confused and energetically stale. So you don't, you know, and you realize the pull of the senses to create objects, including your own physical form, your own physical experience. So we lose the body, the wholeness of it. Mostly, as I was suggesting, and you check it out for yourself energetically will probably feel strongest and most um most stuff is happening you know in in about a fifth of the body like basically the front of your head your eyes mouth perhaps a little bit of upper chest and some fingers <laughs> and a sort of swirling vague swirling mass happening in the rest of it with occasional twinges body and the front comes off it's like we 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 feel the front very strongly you don't feel the lower back unless it hurts on the shoulders so you have to balance that out by bringing more attention and awareness into the pieces that aren't studied with sense organs such as the back the sides of the body the ribs the flexing in the abdomen position of the legs and the thighs the soles of the feet feet cased in shoes quickly die as uh, as living systems they're not permanently dead, but they shut down. So you've got stumps on the end of your legs that you kind of march along. You know, just, so it's really good even to, while we have taking shoes off in the shrine room, it's obviously a certain sense of respect or cleanness. It also 
gives a chance for the foot to open up. Yeah. So it's not just the stump on the end of your leg, but something rather like a hand tracing the soles of your feet. There's a lot of energy in the soles of the feet and the palms of the hands. So you just start to check out the workshop. Is it all there? Is it all cleaned up? Is it all closed down? Is it all covered over with dust? Well, the surface is clean, open. And if because it's a, an organic system, it will certainly respond to that. Uh, central organizing um, place for the body isn't the head or the face. which is to do with function and gesture. That's to do with the relationship and function is your head and face. The organizing area for your body is the spine. place that you probably hardly notices it when it hurts. Why are we, if you're using a chair, you try at least not to sit back in it, or at least only sit back in it when you're conscious of doing that because you need to rest your back. Possible, try to make it so that your, your spine, your back has to activate, has to wake up, has to be there. And feeling then that connection between the base of your body, tailbone and cranium the skull if you can track that at least operate as if you've got this which you do have this central stack of bones and everything moves around that you know the body turns around that you know everything operates around that it's through ignorance about this that back damage is probably one of the most common form of of accidents that occur in work and even in the home. Yes, not really having a spine anymore. But then noticing how the spine works. If you draw the lower back in, how does that affect your shoulders? If you draw your head back, how does that affect your general sense of balance and posture. Is that clarifying? Is that steadying? Mm. Yeah. And naturally, everybody's going to slip out again, but then you come back to that. You're preparing your tools, tidying the place, setting things up. When we look at the Satipatthana, you recognize that the Buddha places a lot on this first place to be mindful of, the body. Um, Emphasize, so that prioritizes it. If you don't, you can't do the work unless you open the workshop door, tidy the place up. Learn some of the fundamental skills of relationship, relationship to your body, how different parts of your body integrate and synchronize with each other, how your body affects your mind through the through the experience of energy. Hmm. See, and then you begin, oh, it's interesting. Nothing is really separate. And yet whenever there's suffering and stress, something separates. 
something breaks off and gets obsessive, loses the whole picture. So common in our mental landscape, we get one particular event or thought or person or topic, and that thing is like a cancer. It just swells and swells and swells and grows and grows. The rest of your life, forget it, there's this one person who is driving me nuts. <laughs> All the people are not driving me nuts, yeah, yeah, but this one person <laughs> is driving me nuts. <laughs> My life is ruined by this. Wow, you know, come on. Where's the big picture? Or this stupid habit I have. I have this stupid habit. So one part breaks off and becomes bloated. You have a pain in your in your back, the rest of your body disappears, it's just the pain. And it, something tightens up around that. I don't want it. How can I stop this being that way? You know, that's it. Trying to just push it, fiddle with it, tweak it, push it, press it. Just get away. <laughs> and so the counterintuitive, perhaps, instruction is well, open to that. Open and feel your pain within the larger domain of your body. Your pain in your back, well, what's happening in your lower back? What's happening down your thighs? So you're widening your attention. And um, letting the body sort itself out. So instead of the trapping effect, this is has you know I wouldn't say it's a hundred percent successful with physical stuff, but it's very successful with mental stuff because the mind has no inherent fixed quality apart from awareness. Do you have no problem? You have no habits. You have no identity as fixed things. The only fixed thing there is, is awareness. But we fixate. By fixating, things become lasting, solid, permanent, myself. I feel I have them, when actually they have me. They've created me. And in that, have they created me and I struggle against it. I don't want to be this way. I don't want to have that thought. I don't want to be that person. I don't like this feeling. The problem cannot be the answer. You can't find an answer from the voice of the problem. The voice of the problem is, I'm like this, why does this happen to me? How can I stop being this way? How can I find an answer? That's the voice of the problem. It doesn't have an answer. Otherwise you'd have had it by now. So, you know, because the I am is the voice of the problem. You know, we come to more opening, it's recognizing as you open up with deep attention, there's this whirling, this resisting, this struggling, this nasty feeling, emotional states, and you get right down and you start to open it up. It's like the splinter comes out. The splinter is just pain. <laughs> you know, 
It's like when you have a splinter in your finger, you might have a boil around it with all kinds of stuff going on. And you just start to open the tissues up. Not particularly pretty. And then right in there, ah, just open it up. Yes, there it is. That little thing there. Hmm. Well, that little thing there, the whole hand can be inflamed and we can, you know, it can swell. But you open up and it'll get right down to the fundamental point, which is feeling. Body and then feeling the second establishment. As you come into embodiment, gives you a place to work and then you see the triggering of dukkha is always not him or her or them or me or the way it was or the way it should be. It's feeling. All dhammas converge on feeling. It means the gate through which everything that affects you has to pass is feeling. It's, it's, it's that gate. Now, you know, of course, there's huge qualifications around that, but if we can get down to that, that feeling place and begin to relate to feeling in a non-fighting way, a non-grabbing way. This isn't about wanting and not wanting. If wanting and not wanting would get me to Nibbana, I would do that, but they take me to frustration. So instead, mindful feeling, one is eager, keen to find the splinter where it is, mindfully aware, tuning into that, resistances, not wanting it, breathing into that, just sustaining, and the magic of the response, which is something we can't do, the response is things start to fall out, drop out. Release isn't something you can do. It's something that happens because of the response of the heart. It happens by itself. We remember we're an organic system. They do respond. So often the response is first just bit confused, chaotic, somewhere in there, bearing with it, you're going to find the response, the point where something opens, and you realize, I was just struggling to not feel something, <laughs> but I was feeling it, How did I, so, you know, I was trying to not feel painful, hurt, difficult. But it is difficult. <laughs> oh, you know, you know, that system can open up and, and uh, we recognize what's always here. Whether it's difficult or not difficult, those change. What's always here? What's always here?
So let's take some time for uh, direct formal practice. Yeah. We stand for a while, and uh, again, you know, the careful worker, the careful practitioner stands, establishes the standing, establishes the feet, the ankles, the calves, the knees, body builds it up. Don't think because you can see standing that you're actually standing. <laughs>